In this episode of Escaping the Rabbit Hole, I talked to a former conspiracy theorist turned therapist about a psychological trick conspiracy theorists use to suck people in and how you can protect yourself by setting a clear and healthy boundary. Welcome to Escaping the Rabbit Hole, hosted by former conspiracy theorist Antonio Perez, author of Converting Conspiracy Theorists. Antonio looks at conspiracy theories from multiple angles, such as how do conspiracy theorists impact their family and friends? How can they escape the grip of conspiracy theories? And why do they fall down the rabbit hole in the first place? You'll discover strategies to set clear boundaries with people stuck in dangerous conspiracy theories and improve your mental well-being. Here's your host, Antonio Perez. I have a very special guest on that I've been trying to interview for a while. I've got Richard Bolstad all the way from New Zealand. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you very much, Antonio. Looking forward to talking. So I know Richard from the field of NLP, neurolinguistic programming and hypnosis. And one thing that I really appreciate about him is how much he was push, pushing back against the COVID deniers and the um, the anti-science rhetoric during the pandemic, which it does not, uh, hypnosis and NLP, it doesn't need it doesn't need any more help being kept from the mainstream. It's funny how how a lot of hypnotists will talk about, oh, they're they're trying to suppress us. I'm like, no, this the people in this field suppress ourselves. It's not it's not outside forces that are damaging us. It's from the inside. Yeah, I think that's true. We we really don't need any help. And you know, it's this thing that we now have a label for conspirituality. You know, and. Uh, um, and I, I think I kind of went along with it for a long time myself. I mean, I trained in this field and, and I thought, you know, like we're, we're, um, we're in the business of um, selling dreams and stuff like that. And it was really was the pandemic that kind of alerted me to the fact that this is over the top. And then I started unpacking my own beliefs and, and realized, well, if I'm a trainer in this field, I've got to be more responsible about this with myself and with the people I teach. Okay, so if you don't mind me asking, what can you impact? So, what are some of the 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 pre-COVID beliefs you have, pre-pandemic beliefs, or pre-pandemic, as some of the people call it? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Well, see, I um, I trained with with people who who actually taught us in Hawaii. By the way, I, I trained in Hawaii with um, with a very famous NLP organization on the Big Island there. And how was uh, it? The- was it James? Yeah, yeah. And so, and so, one of the things that we w- were taught was this um, this idea that uh, the medical establishment is uh, suppressing information about healing and about the nature of cancer and and things like this. And so, there was this whole um, Germanic medicine, Doctor Hamer, that we were uh, taught as part of my trainer training, by the way. And so, that that Doctor Hamer's idea is that uh, Jewish. Um, physicians uh you know he he had this he was way ahead of his time you know he had this idea in the 1990s that uh that that uh, rabbis were um um putting chips computer chips in the vaccines and uh and and that no jewish people ever got ever died of cancer because they didn't get the chemotherapy that was specially designed to kill um non-jews so so it's also like uh, a very logical idea yeah, sure. And this, this, you know, at the time, I just thought, well, you know, obviously, that's a little bit weird. But you know, maybe this guy Hamer is really on to something and, um, uh, and he's been suppressed, you know, and, and so, 
And so I, I sort of allowed it there. You know, I didn't really challenge it and I carried on teaching his stuff and introducing people. I have to confess now, you know, like introducing people to that craziness. And um, and it's only when it sort of hit me in, in the pandemic that I realized, okay, this it's there's no stopping it you know just um this kind of imagining uh, enemies everywhere it goes on and on and and i realize i, I really have to do something about it <laughs> yeah so it's it's similar you know you said you introduced people to it i had introduced so i was introduced if you read the book um converting conspiracy theorists it's laying around here somewhere i was yeah. introduced via um yes i was introduced via um Alex yep. Jones, and then it the thing about conspiracy theories, it can be a very lonely world. So, yep. Yep. you know, that's just a, that's another, oh my God, I got to put that in the uh, book for the future. That's another idea I just unpacked. It can be a very lonely world. So bring people along for the ride. It's, yep. Yep. it's yep. a pyramid scheme. So when, and you know, the sunken cost fallacy, we don't want to think we've been ripped off or we've been duped. So like, hey, we better, we better pull other people in to confirm that this is a good idea. Yep, very much. And, uh, you know, one of the things that, um, as an LP trainer, one of the things I've learned that I need to explain to people is we are not really designed to be logical. You know, human beings are not designed to um, to pay attention so much to the truth as to what will get us food and sex and, and survival, you know. So so actually, uh, that most of the time that kind of works. And uh, sometimes, uh, especially when there is a net, an international crisis, then then it doesn't serve us very well. And so, um, when NLP was first developed, the developers of NLP said, "Well, uh, we're going to make this system a bullshit detection system." It translates into American, right? So, a bullshit detection system. And and so, uh, you'd think that that NLP would be alert to those kind of things. But actually what we have learned to do is how to fabricate bullshit, how to um, how to talk in such a way that people are overwhelmed by the confusion of the of what we're saying. And sometimes you see that work. Sometimes you can pull someone out of a depression, pull someone out of anxiety um, using that. But unfortunately, I think most NLP trainers don't teach people yeah, that's one skill. And the other, the opposite skill is also equally important. And that is to check, is your thinking rational or have you, have you got twisted into something else? To get instant access to the newest episodes of the podcast and the first three chapters of Antonio's newest book, go to www.escapingtherabbithole.com and enter your first name and best email and smash the button that says, get the podcast. Tagging on the idea of the bullshit detection, one thing that, and you you and I were talking about this earlier, and it, it took me, and I didn't realize this until I started to kind of de-radicalize myself, is in personal development in general, they say you get more of what you focus on. And people, I think, will say the reticular activation system. I don't know if that's true, but a lot of times we just use words to make it sound more true. And if that's the case, a lot of trainers will say, oh, you get more of what you focus on. For example, if you have a red car, you see red cars everywhere. Or if you have like a, like a, uh, whatever color your, your jacket is, you start seeing them everywhere. At the same token, when, um, NLP people, personal development people start seeing conspiracy theories everywhere, they're like, I don't know why I see them everywhere. I'm like, because you're focusing on them. Your, your filter system, that's all, it, you're just, you're attracting it. That's why you see them everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, one of the things I, I learned when I thought about that is that in a way, 
all psychotherapists, the same structure as breaking through conspiracy theories. You know, it's just that their label for it is depression. And the, um, and, and the thing that we're talking about, people uh, themselves haven't come to the point yet of deciding I need to change this. But it's the same structure, the structure of, com of, of conspiracy theory and depression is, is pretty much the same thing. Yeah, yeah. and um, I was actually looking at a study briefly yesterday. I'm probably going to do a podcast about this, about how people that are are uh, prone to narcissism have a higher tendency to believe in conspiracy theories. Mainly, um, this is my untrained, unscientific reasoning, is people that are narcissistic and conspiracy theor theorists want to feel as if they have that secret. They have that secret knowledge. Yeah. And that's what attracted me to NLP at the start, you see, is this idea like, wow, you know, there, there's the secrets of the universe here, you know, like, if I find out how to do this, this is what people have been looking for all through time. And, uh, you know, I can show other people how to do it. That's the same thinking as conspiracy theory in general, of course. And, um, yeah, it's, it's shocking now to look back and see it. There's a very famous uh, set of techniques in NLP um, that are called sleight of mouth. And these are ways of talking that mess with someone else's thinking. And that, that's useful to change them. Now, that sleight of mouth set of patterns was modeled, we call it in NLP, um, by, by Robert Diltz, one of the co-developers who studied Richard Bandler. And at the time, Richard Bandler was acting crazy. So he was pretending to be a crazy person and no one could talk with him and get him out of it. And so, uh, so what uh, Robert Diltz did is he took notes and he worked out how is he doing it because we could teach people how to do this. This might have uses. Well, yeah, it does. And let's face it, it's the structure of paranoia. So, um, so it also has risks. I and, and those thought about those are, yeah. I never thought about that until now. That um, a lot of those patterns that is that is narcissistic. Yeah. Yeah. They are, they are patterns where you deliberately say to someone, well, um, it doesn't matter uh, whether your idea is logical or not. It only matters who uh, who told you that story and who makes you think it, stuff like that. So they are, they are things that shift away from rational thinking to uh, uh, to um, argumentum ad hominem, you know, to, to all sorts of uh, kind of logical fallacies. Yeah. Um, could you give... Our, um, my audience an example of look let's pretend I'm a conspiracy theorist yeah I have a conspiracy theory that satanic pedophiles are drinking blood how would you how would you how could you possibly break that down with sleight of mouth what I'm saying is that the the conspiracy theorist is using the sleight of mouth patterns right so they what they're doing is is uh uh when I when I ask them when I ask them questions about it they will tell me uh for example it's not about whether this is rational. You just find out where is the money going. You've heard this, you know, follow the money and there you'll find the evil genius who's creating the situation. And so, um, so I mean, interesting idea, but it's not, uh, it's not a hundred percent guaranteed way of finding out how are things caused. Yeah. So the fact that a doctor is getting money for something does not prove that the doctor causes the thing. You see, it's it's just kind of crazy. The fact the fact that I have a I have a book on on um, uh, you know conspiracy theories does not mean that I'm causing conspiracy theories. You know that that doesn't make sense, but it sounds kind of logical, and that is a sleight of mouth pattern. It sounds kind of logical. I was talking to a guy online the other day about a conspiracy theorist, and I and I said this, and and he um 
you know, he he just uh, went straight into sleight of mouth patterns back. So he he just said, um, ah, well, uh, but but you see, what you're claiming now is that it's always like that. That there's never a time, and I wasn't. You know, so sometimes people do benefit from things, of course, and uh, uh, psychotherapists benefit from people um, being crazy or or being depressed, and and so they have they have a stake in taking a long time to help them heal. That's that's true. But that doesn't actually, as a generalization, prove that psychotherapists cause insanity, any of those things. Yeah, I, did. I never thought about, I mean, I, I've used sleight of mouth mainly for sales. One of yeah. my favorite patterns is, um, I think the redefine. I like that when somebody would give me oh, a yeah. objection. I'm like, I'm like, hey, I totally agree. Well, for example, I do timeshare. And people tell me it's a waste of time. I'm like, do, I'm like I totally agree that you think timeshare is a waste of time. And the issue might not be that it's a waste of time. Issue might be you haven't found a vacation company that values your time as an individual. And the thing, yeah. is, it does. You're right. It doesn't make it. It doesn't mean that it's right. It just present. It prevents or presents a um, a logical fallacy with the emotion wrapped yeah. up into it. Yeah. Now, one of the important things to notice about that, and that's a good example, is is that actually um, we don't human beings don't have to make all our decisions rationally you know like and 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 salespeople understand that that most um most purchasing decisions are not made rationally anyway they're, they're, they're made based on emotional responses to things and so of course um there's a place for sleight of mouth patterns you know like and and it's the same with someone who's depressed they're not thinking rationally the sleight of mouth pattern doesn't have to be logical. It just has to show them a more useful way of thinking, useful as opposed to logical. And uh, the difficulty is when when someone gets into this, uh, when someone gets locked into this pattern of seeing enemies everywhere, and um, and and this way of thinking, conspiracy theory stuff. Uh, you know, as I as I started to watch it and and to uh, to understand it, I I realized that. Um, it's not just about the logic. It's actually what you've said in your book. You know, it's it's actually uh, about the feeling that people get. It's the dopamine rush that they get from thinking that they are the special person who's discovered the secret of the universe, stuff like that. Well, the, yeah. the first story of the book about my experience with uh, martial law, I'll, I'm not going to spoil yeah. it. People can read it, but that's, I thought I was a special one. I'm like, I get to save humanity. And then it, yep. It, honestly, it's it was embarrassing telling that story at first, but now when I tell people that story, everybody's, and when they hear the twist, then they're like, "Oh man, you were crazy." What um what I'm gonna look at in the book I mentioned in chapter ten about um three uh, three epistemology. At the end, I think I had an example of um. Yeah, I have an example of the redefined pattern, just saying I agree X, and I like to add the issue might not be X, rather Y, which means we should Z. One example I used was, I agree you think satanic pedophiles are running the planet. And I'd like to add that issue might not be satanic pedophiles running the planet. Issue might be whether or not we have proper laws in place to prosecute these pedophiles, which means we should look at what laws are in place to take care of this. And that'll at least keep somebody on board. And then I also mentioned something in the book um, called The Unread Library Effect from um, How to Have Impossible Conversations or that when you ask somebody to explain their position, that's when they start to realize, I think they call it the unread library effect because we, th I think it says that anytime we have a book on a subject, we think we know that subject because we know somebody that knows it. Yeah. So yeah. You start asking somebody about 
um, for to back something up. That's why they usually revert to do your own research, which I yeah. that drives me nuts. <laughs> yeah, well, that's um, that's that's really true. That's really true. I know uh, one of the things that you're doing here, and that I think is is really useful. I talk about in in my book on cognitive clarity as well, because it's a subset of that book to be doing what you're aiming to do, you know, help people out of conspiracy theories. And, um, and one of the things that I think is it's really useful for people to hear stories like you're telling about the way it was for you and the way that you changed. And um, because it gives them a sense of how that's possible and for you to come out with dignity, you know, and, and that, that's a really big question. It's like, if I, if I have been thinking weird stuff, how do I come out with dignity? And it's almost the same kind of, well, it is the same kind of thing as helping people out of a cult um, where they totally believed in some guru and they totally um, believed that, you know, some magical event was about to happen in the world. Um, and so uh, at first they sort of noticed, well, this guy is abusive, but I still believe what he says, you know, and, and that somehow they have to work their way out of that. So one of the things that I that I do that I've learned to do on my NLP trainings is to talk to people about my own life experiences and uh, to to talk about the fact that all human beings have biases and, and we're all susceptible to conspiracy theories and that it doesn't prove that we're a weak human being or something necessarily you know it's um it's a pattern that people can get into and once they get reinforced for it they can they can really do it too much uh, but hearing okay, I had real conspiracy theories and I recovered. <laughs> That's really important for people. So it's funny when you mention about uh, about somebody being a cult and then them seeing the guru. I wonder how it's different with like QAnon, for example, because QAnon, there is no guru. It's this, it's this, it's almost like a group anonymous. It's that anonymous, that's why I call it a Q, Q anonymous. So it's, it's hard. I don't know why, there's something so alluring about it where, um, you see where I'm going? With this it's it's yeah. it's almost hard to break QAnon because there's there's no one person. That, they can't just you uh, a culty programmer can't look at one individual say, "Hey, look, here's Trump. Here's his fault." Or here is um the Haley guy, Haley's comet cult guy. Yeah. No one person they can point and say, "Hey, here's this person's fault." So if you say uh, QAnon, it just it it just it's almost yeah. like more of this blob. Yeah, and, and not only that, but in talking with people who are into QAnon, they'll say, oh, no, there really is no QAnon. You know, that's part of what And so they're, so they're telling you, they'll tell you, uh, uh, see, the very name, it's like with the thing conspiracy theory. Oh, yeah, conspiracy theory. That's a CIA word. And so, and, and so it's kind of, I've, you know, I've talked to people who will say that about QAnon as well. And so it's, it's like, we're just kind of spinning our wheels as we, as we try and unpack it. Yeah. yeah I believe it's funny when I look at a lot of the stuff I used to think, I'm like, wow, how did I buy into that? Well, it's funny. And they mentioned in the book that if somebody had come up to me and be said, Hey, Jews are drinking baby blood. I'd be like, that's crazy. Nah, that's, that's bullshit. Yeah. But yeah. It's always like a really minor conspiracy theory yeah. they get them into, like Bigfoot or something or other, aliens, and then it progresses. It's a, yeah. I also have this theory. I don't know. This would be a good theory to test out. I have this theory about conspiracy theories. so very meta. I have this theory that 
the conspiracy theory that we were first introduced to gets strengthened over time. I think of it almost like a foundation of a house. So every time we learn something else, it kind of reinforces that. I'm wondering if if somebody were to shift their beliefs on the original conspiracy theory, if there'd be like a cracks of a house, if that would kind of go through and start to get them to question everything else. Yeah, yeah, that's that's really interesting. Well, um, like uh, this is a, I'm, I'm just about to say something very contentious now for people who have a religious background. So, you know, I, I grew up in a Christian family and um, and uh, I've talked to a lot of people who, who were very fundamentalist Christian and who who've kind of recovered from that over time. And, and one of the things that happens is they more start off, I think, on the periphery. So they start off by saying, well, hang on, when Jesus told stories, he told stories. He's not saying there is actually uh, a, a, a Samaritan who's walking along this road. He's not trying to get you to believe that. He's just telling a story, man. And then, um, and so when he says, um, eat this, this, this is my body and drink this, this is my blood. It's a story, man. He's he's not trying to tell you this is my, you know, like I didn't rip this out of my arm or something. He's telling you metaphorically that's what it is. And once they have accepted that, then at some point they're going to say, so God is a metaphor. And then, it, and then it's over. And at that point they're realizing, and a really damn useful metaphor, but that doesn't mean you have to believe that he's a guy with a beard sitting in the sky. And so, um, and so I, I think sometimes with conspiracy theories, that happens almost the other way, that it's like from, from the little things. Um, there's a guy called Mick West. I don't know if you've come across his stuff on. I, well, considering his book is called uh, um, Escaping the Rabbit, rabbit Hole. Hole. I didn't yeah. know that. So I'm going to have to contact him. But hey, I hope you're not mad that I called this Escaping the Rabbit Hole, but let's get you on the podcast. Yeah. Well, um, he has a really interesting idea. He calls the line of demarcation. And what he says is, listen to the person and find out where is their line of demarcation. Because you know what you said before that, uh, like Jewish people drinking blood, you would have said was crazy. But uh, maybe Bigfoot, you would say like, but that's totally real. You know, so many examples, you can't deny it. Now, um, what he what he would say is that that's really important because if I start talking to you, if you, if you believe in Bigfoot, but you don't believe in, in adrenochrome or something, and I start talking to you about adrenochrome, you think I'm insulting you and you think, um, see, that's part of that's part of the conspiracy is to make fun of us by talking about these absurd ideas. And so what um, Mick West is into is find out like where is the edge and gently move the person a little. And once they get on a roll, and, and you know, that was my personal experience was to realize, okay, well, hang on, this one about COVID-19, like when, you know, like I, I used to be very anti-immunization, um, uh, you know, anti-vaccination when, when I was younger. I trained as a nurse. I accepted that I had to get vaccinations to be a nurse, but I, was, I didn't believe in it as a theory. Um, when I saw what was happening with COVID-19, then I realized, you know, there's millions of people going to die because of the ideas that are being promoted here. It's just hard to believe that millions of people could die because of crazy ideas. And that was kind of like a shifting point for me about that. So then I, I, I gradually go back from, from that line of demarcation and start unpacking, well, hang on, some of the stuff that I've heard about immunization of kids in general as well, I better check this out. Is your mental and emotional health being affected by a loved one trapped in conspiracy theories? If so, discover how Antonio can help you set clear boundaries and reclaim your mental well-being. 
Book your free 20-minute consultation call by going to www.escapingtherabbithole.com slash call. That's escapingtherabbithole.com forward slash C-A-L-L. In the idea about the line of demarcation, when I was a conspiracy theorist, we used to do a conspiracy theory brew view at the bar I worked at. It was every Sunday we would drink. We we also did this other thing that made us paranoid. Oh, we did cocaine. That's one of the reasons <laughs> I was always paranoid. Dopamine stuff is not good for paranoia. Anyhow, that out of the way. People would come in and they'd see us in the tinfoil hats. We explained to them about them and they're like, oh, what about... They would ask us, oh, do you believe in the, the, the reptilian agenda? I'm like, oh, I'm not that kind of crazy. I just believe that there's a satanic pedophile trying to run the planet. It's all <laughs> crazy. So I I use, like, you're, you're right. You use that almost as, like, a lever of, like, oh, I'm not that crazy. I just believe in this. So I'm not that crazy. But it's still crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So um, one of the ways that I, I say it with, like, when are people coming into NLP training now? You know that they come in and they don't necessarily know that I've been through this journey. So they they come in with the usual kind of getting into personal development field beliefs, which is that there must be some magic there, and you tell me what it is, and, and there must be people who are hiding this magic from us. Now that's quite kind of core conspiracy structure, but they don't have the information yet. They're willing for me to download conspiracy theories into them, and one of the things that that I'm going to explain to them is this whole idea of look um we all people have weird ideas that they later on look back on and think they were silly you know like most of us believed in santa claus or something when we were kids and now we don't you know like and and, and we just kind of laugh at it Wait, you know santa, and that, santa is santa isn't real you're bursting my bubble over here <laughs> sorry i i really didn't mean that obviously i was referring to the easter bunny you know okay. but, oh jesus now we're going to the easter bunny <laughs> and that feeling that you can like i think that's quite an important thing for people to get the feeling that i could have had a, an idea at one time later on i look at it and think no nah, that's that's not the way it is you know um i think that's i think that's an important thing for us to accept as human beings because it, it's probably going to carry on you know yeah okay yeah. one, of the, one of the conspiracy beliefs i had when i was younger is um you know it's, it was very cool at the time to uh to uh, believe in kind of left-wing revolution, you know, so like, it was, so the, this idea that there's going to be this huge social change and, um, and the rulers of the world, they are organized together to, to try and stop that happening, you know, so um, like, when I look at the rulers of the world now, they can hardly organize their way out of a paper bag, you know, like, uh, let alone, let alone run the world for hundreds of years um, and, and uh, stop a left-wing revolution. So, so actually, that I look back on that now and I think that's conspiracy theory right there. You know, the, the belief that there's this secret cabal of people and that that's how capitalism works. You know, like capitalism works mostly because people are trying to earn enough money to live, you know, and yeah. sometimes it gets a little weird, you know. In the um, in, in the U.S. Um, with people on the right, they have this idea of we want small government. We want small government because we don't trust the government. They can't do anything right. At the same token, like, oh, my God, look, they're conspiring against us. I'm like, but I thought, what is it? Or one of my favorite theories is uh, Biden. It, it, one of my favorite theories is Biden is incompetent. He can't do anything. He has dementia. But he also organized the world's largest voter fraud. I'm like, what is it? Is he incompetent or is he capable of some grand mastermind? I, I can't keep track. 
Subscribe to the podcast by going to www.escapingtherabbithole.com. Add your first name and best email to the form and smash the button that says get the podcast. You'll get instant access when the newest episodes are released. Plus, you'll get the first three chapters of Antonio's newest book sent uh, directly you, to your, your email. What was your on mental health growing up first now? Yeah, so uh, I, I I started off, well, I as a teenager, I had these sort of... Um, um, conspiracy beliefs as well of course like i'm saying i you know i was sort of involved in the left wing and i had ideas from that and i also had uh beliefs about aliens and and so on having visited the earth and that's a harmless idea until you realize that like what it's going to mean is that people are keeping a secret so once it becomes this conspiracy that there is an active campaign by the governments of the world to hide this huge amount of information and then you can believe uh, actually, there's, there's people on Mars and they're keeping that secret or on the other side, they never went to the moon and they're keeping that secret. And um, so, so I had those beliefs, but I kind of let go of those and got into the mainstream. And my, my first training in psychotherapy was, was uh, with Gestalt Psychotherapy and was with, uh, I trained with the New Zealand Association of Psychotherapists. So I trained with serious kind of psychotherapy people. And, um, and honestly, compared to that, NLP and hypnotherapy was a breath of fresh air, you know, it was like, um, uh, wow, at least some free thinking here. Um, and so I guess that's why it took me quite a while before I realized, yeah, it's free thinking, but sometimes it's so free that their brains are falling out of their heads, you know, so, yeah. It's, uh, it's free thinking, but it's, it's uh, what's the term, is it prepackaged or it's, it's similar to the idea where Alex Jones will give you breadcrumbs and he's like, do your own research, or like I mentioned in the book, he'll He'll say, if they lied about X, what else have they lied about? And it gets us, it gets us going, oh, you're right. Yeah. You're right. <laughs> right. Like, um, yeah, it's just, it's easy to fall down the rabbit hole. You know, there's a, a, a technique that is uh, kind of like a sleight of mouth technique that I, I learned about in, in philosophy at university. So, uh, and it's called 10 leaky buckets. And the idea is like this, that, that uh, you know, I have a, a bucket and I say, okay, so uh, look at this, this really holds water and then I see it's dripping out. So I put another one underneath it and another one underneath that, you see, and, and it's kind of like consp my conspiracy ideas were a bit like that. It's like, if you question it, I'd say, yeah, maybe that doesn't really hold water, but there's one under it as well. And there's one under that. But the fact is you can have a hundred leaky buckets and if they're all leaky in the end the water runs out there's nothing there <laughs> they don't hold water and and that's what conspiracy theories are like it's, it's like there's just one belief under another under another and when i challenge one then you slip back to another one and you say yeah maybe that's not true but you know like when there's all this other stuff happening yeah <laughs> that's uh, the thing about conspiracy theories is they close the door behind them yeah yeah to get instant access to the newest episodes of the podcast and the first three chapters of Antonio's newest book, go to www.escapingtherabbithole.com and enter your first name and best email and smash the button that says get the podcast. How can a how can someone set a healthy boundary with their loved one that's a conspiracy theorist? Yeah, well, uh, I, I think that the first things that really help, my belief is that the first things that really help are that thing I said before of realizing that this, all human beings have biases and, and make logical mistakes. And so firstly, knowing that, and secondly, 
uh, really understanding, like you've done a lot of learning about conspiracy theories and, and uh, um, thinking through this. And I, and I think at first when someone discovers how their family members have, have gotten really weird on them, they, they don't have all that background and it's worth learning about this. It really is worth reading your book. It's, it's worth people finding out um, what happens with conspiracy theories and unpacking it in themselves as well so that they have a sense of clarity so that they have a sense of okay this doesn't mean people are bad it's just something that people do sometimes they get caught up in this and i've probably gotten caught up in some in the past and i can now start learning from this and benefiting living sanely so it's like um being in equilibrium myself a bit more and understanding myself a bit more before i even try and uh and talk with these other people and the reality is as as you know that um my chances of helping someone recover like by concentratedly deprogramming them or something the chances are low you know and uh, more what's likely to happen is if i can be calm and a resource person they can come to if they have doubts in future because most of them are going to pull out of this um, eventually um, if they have doubts in future then uh, the feeling that they can come to me might be really helpful then but in the meantime i gotta look after myself that's how you think of it Thank you for that. And it's funny when you mentioned about um, unpacking my thoughts that this is the first book I've written. It's taken me like 25 years to write a book. It's funny. The last two months before I got it published, I'm like, oh my God, I was doing Richard Nongar's 12 week. Um, I think it's 12 weekbook.com took his training. And the last two months before I published it, I'm like, oh my God, I feel like a failure. I'm like, dude, I haven't gotten this done. And it only took me like eight months. And then it dawned on me. I'm really good at procrastination. I'm like, you know what? Let's put this power, let's put this superpower to use. I told myself, I'm like, you know, it, it take me 25 years to write a book. What's another two months to do it right, get the cover done right, etc. Writing this book was very therapeutic. I mean, as you've read the parts of the book, I even mentioned, um, I think in chapter four or five, I talk about my conspiracy theory days, days, D-A-Z-E, where I don't remember all of that time because it's embarrassing. Yeah. I intentionally... Yeah. I, I intentionally deleted and distorted uh, little elements from my experience. Yeah. Yeah. I, th I think, I think that's, that's the way it is. And, and, um, and if someone has people in their family who've, who've really gotten into conspiracy theories, probably for a while they went along with it, you know, and, um, and they will have some confused thinking in the background as well. And it really, really helps to get clearer about that. So um, yeah. So I think at some point, most people I've talked to who are in this situation with someone in their family, they realize that they have to make a decision. Am I am I patient enough to to keep listening to this person and uh, and and just accepting that they're talking stuff that I don't want to know about and that they're going to keep trying to convert me, or do I do I want to split with this person? You know, and I know it sounds heartbreaking. A lot of people are going to make going to make that decision, and that will be a healthy decision that. Now, for now, this isn't a relationship that they want to keep up. No, I mean, that's... You touched on something in the new book. Uh, it's going to be Coping with Conspiracy Theories. That's the working title. It's about, uh, it's kind of like a self-care guide. Have you? Do you know what Al-Anon is? Sure, yeah. Al so it's kind of like an Al-Anon for QAnon. So Q-Al-Anon, I don't know how it's going to be called, but it's basically Q, like Al-Anon for QAnon people. Yeah. In, in that book, I talk, <laughs> I call it the fake news model, which is it, it's funny. I think I used ChatGPT to pull up the acronym. 
these are these are the eight struggles that a family member of a conspiracy theorist deals with. First one is feeling trapped with nowhere to go. A is anxiety about things getting worse. I mean, because think about it, when you see somebody spiraling out. If you like, you just mentioned people. I think go along with it at first, and then and then they realize like, oh damn, I should have stopped them while they're ahead. K is keep trying to save your loved one. That's the classic codependency. E is uh, emotionally draining conversations, which is any kind of narcissist or abusive relationship. And then for the second half for news, it's um, no longer feeling loved or connected with a person. E is experiencing bigotry and hatred, which is very common in conspiracy theories. W is wrestling with self-doubts, which is um, in regards to gaslighting. And then S is struggling to set boundaries, which pretty much nails the pretty much nails the gamut. Yeah, that's really true. That's really true. And I, and I think it's quite a good metaphor to think of it as being like a, a, an addiction kind of process. And so like protecting yourself in that um, in that situation. Yeah. Is your mental and emotional health being affected by a loved one trapped in conspiracy theories? If so, discover how Antonio can help you set clear boundaries and reclaim your mental well-being. Book your free 20-minute consultation call by going to www.escapingtherabbithole.com slash call. That's escapingtherabbithole.com forward slash C-A-L-L. What is one idea that you think the majority of people get wrong about conspiracy theorists? Well, I know I've said it a couple of times already, but I'd I'd still come back to this idea that um, I really, I think it's useful to know that the human brain is designed to be biased. So we're designed to see um, faces on Mars, you know, and uh and and not to notice oh it's just a mountain that looks cool from a certain angle and uh so you know like on my facebook feed even now and i you know i've deleted quite a few people who who had weird ideas but on my facebook feed i will continuously get people saying like wow look at this mountain it totally looks like such and such now your brain is meant to do that it's meant to see faces and everywhere because that's how babies find their mum, you know, like that's, if you didn't that's that. how we get with uh start interrupting the clouds. Somebody's like, Oh look, I see a starship. Yeah. We recognize yeah. we recognize yeah. patterns. And and so being able to accept that part is, is kind of normal and you just gotta be willing to to allow that sometimes that's a mistake. You know, sometimes this thing that enabled you to find your mum in the first couple of hours right now, it may be making you see a face on Mars instead of thinking so if I can see this and they're telling me it's not there, then this is a big conspiracy, you know. And um, so that's that, that idea, I, I think, is, is something really important. And, and what people get the idea that the person with conspiracy theories is doing something that they would never do. And I think I, I've really learned to be more humble than that, that actually I've done conspiracy theories and when I when I talk about them, they're big time, you know, like, I mean, they really are extreme conspiracy theories, I think now. And um, people can have weird ideas like that and they can recover. So I know I've said it so many times, but I, I think that's the thing that people mistake. They get the idea, OK, well, this person is kind of like crazy. And it's the same idea people have about schizophrenia or psychiatric conditions in general. Like this person is so weird. I would never be able to be like that, and therefore um, we have no sense of contact or anything. 
in, in fact, life is not that simple, you know. There's, there are how many billions of weirdos on this planet? <laughs> so many weirdos. One, one of our mutual friends, he um, calls himself a professional weirdo, Duffy. Duffy. Yeah, yeah. We, we right. talk a lot. Um, yeah, we're all, we're all perfectly imperfect weirdos. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and I think that's, that's a big thing, you know, like a, a big part of it. if someone does actually want to, to attempt to change someone, and I'm not recommending that, you know, I'm just saying that sometimes someone will, then rapport, what NLP would call rapport, like synchronizing with the person is really important. And part of that is being able to say, okay, well, seeing patterns like this, this is a normal human thing. And another part of it is, is being able to, of rapport in that case is being able to say, and it's good for us not to just accept what what authorities tell us. You know, there, there's nothing wrong with being skeptical. And what's important is to be able to be skeptical of your own ideas, not just of other people's ideas. And uh, so those those things I think are important kind of rapport building. Instead of saying, no, your ideas are weird, I'm sane, um, which which uh, cuts cuts us off right at the start. So so there's a kind of a there is a process to creating that kind of rapport where someone would trust you being skeptical about small parts of their of their worldview but it's so hard for a family member to to do that successfully uh, because they get really frustrated with it and so on it almost it reminds me of um, when my son was very young uh, he was at an alternative school and i tried to teach him to read and i was just the wrong guy to teach him to read because I was so invested in him. He's my family member and I'd get so upset if he didn't do it right. And, you know, I'd just, I'd just get so frustrated in the background. I, I realized after a couple of weeks, I'm not the guy who can do this. It needs to be someone from outside who can do this calmly and dispassionately. Yeah. Um, what thought, belief or fear keeps you from falling back into conspiracy theories? So I wouldn't have called those things conspiracy theories at the time. You know, I'd, like having this concept is so empowering um of, consp of of realizing okay i've gotten into a conspiracy way of thinking and what i've learned to do now is to be skeptical of my own ideas when i get the idea that a lot of other people are secretly planning something together and uh, i know it's a standard joke and and sort of uh, anti-conspiracy theory um things to say um yeah i i really admire your you know faith that hundreds of thousands of people could keep the moon landing secret because you know like honestly uh they haven't been able to keep anything else secret and and um i, I think this kind of um awareness in myself that okay if i'm starting to think that there is a plot here then and that in itself is a warning could could people really be that sophisticated about what what they're doing and i, and I didn't used to question that way I used to just accept it. Wow, you know, like there must be a plot. There must be a plot against NLP, like you said before. You know, like yeah, we have ambivalence as ourselves in the alternative healing field, and that's what holds us back from being successful. Not so much that there is a secret plot by the establishment. There are people in the establishment who don't want us <laughs> to be successful, but they're not well enough organized for that to be the only reason. <laughs> yeah, they have they have way more. They have bigger fish to fry. To get instant access to the newest episodes of the podcast and the first three chapters of Antonio's newest book, go to www.escapingtherabbithole.com and enter your first name and best email and smash the button that says, get the podcast.
one of the things that's a real delight is to read someone who's had genuine experience in the field like you have and who is writing such an incredibly well-written book about, about recovering from that and uh and converting conspiracy theorists is a really good read so if you're if you're watching this podcast and you haven't read this book yet get it and read it you're going to love it and it really it really does the job it's it's a very well written book and i've written a lot of books so for the back of the people for the people in the back of the room thank you so much i um like me i studied a little bit of copywriting so i like to make it very conversational so it's not very heady if you're looking for very like heady it's not that yeah yeah it's it's beautifully written it's very engaging you know like as soon as you start into it boom Oh, yeah. There's a couple a uh, couple good stories about Matt Gates, which there's a couple a couple good zingers in there. Now, what um where can people find out more about you? If if somebody wants to learn more about hypnosis or NLP or, or any of the uh the fun uh stuff you're doing. <laughs> yeah, so uh that, that's transformations.net. Uh sorry, transformations.org is a better site, transformations.org.nz. So uh, NZ for New Zealand. So transformations.org.nz. That's my site. Yeah. And um, hey, oh, can you hold your book up? I I need to get a copy of that. Sure. So what is that uh, called? See. Over uh, kind of clarity, NLP to help people live sanely. So is that about helping people to kind of pull them out of their biases? It's it's about helping them to notice their biases, use them in useful ways, like the slide of mouth can be used. And so, and really understand NLP as, as being the process of managing our own biases. And so, like, if you know that when that that you're more likely to trust someone who you like, then we call that an NLP. We call that rapport, and we utilize it. That's very useful. And that doesn't mean you should elect them for president. <laughs> That's yeah. the secret. There, there. Once you know that we're biases, then you can learn how to use them effectively and how to let go of them. So it's that. Good point. Thank you so much for coming on. The, oh, I actually have one last question. I almost forgot. I want to ask everybody on this podcast: What is escaping the rabbit hole to you? Well, it's it's like this. Firstly, it's sad because it was so much fun having the secret community. <laughs> of people who shared my ideas. You know, that is, I mean, I, I grieve for the fact that I could just go on believing that stuff. And, I, you know, I've lost a lot of friends by coming out. And secondly, it's so freeing. It's just so like a breath of fresh air um, to, to be able to think clearly about these things. Hence cognitive clarity. Yep, yep. Thank you so much. Everybody check out his, um website and that book is it on amazon or is it just on your website yep on amazon sure yeah i'm gonna have to i'm gonna go pick up a copy of that thank you so much and i look forward to uh, whenever we actually get to meet in person yeah that'd be great thank you for having me on the show yeah i'll talk to you soon a lot thanks for listening to escaping the rabbit hole to get instant access to the newest episodes of the podcast and the first three chapters of antonio's newest book Go to www.escapingtherabbithole.com and enter your first name and best email and smash the button that says get the podcast.